When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again, the Senior Editor, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. You guys, so I just saw the icon just moments before we, we, uh, we got on our call here. And I saw, you know, Kelly make the nod to the shillelagh. In fact, was entitled uh, something about for the shillelagh. This kind of this fake shit that they got going on, this fake, you know, paying homage to it, but they'd made no mention of it. And Kelly didn't try to lose it, Brendan. There was no there was no drink. So let me ask you, if <laughs> if we win a rivalry trophy that is not drank from, does it really exist? I mean, if you can't drink from it, does it exist? I mean, and therein lies the problem of the jeweled shillelagh, because wouldn't you have the same issue? Yes. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Rivalry I mean, canceled. I, I think I think all of us have a wonderful piece of art by Kathleen uh, Kiefer, uh, which is all of the names rivalry trophies, and uh, I think she pretty clearly outlines which one you can uh, you can fill with red Gatorade and drink out of. And uh, well, she needed a, she needs to update it with the. With the yellow drink in the Leahy Memorial Bowl, because we did see <laughs> that from Ke- from true. Kelly last. I mean, so, I mean, it, it might it, it, with with a little bit of ingenuity. I bet you could drink from that megaphone uh, that is the Michigan State Cowboys Trophy. But uh, oh yeah, we talked about that in the last pod. That, I mean, we're we're talking <laughs> we're talking you know just throw a tube on that thing. You got yourself a bong, <laughs> whatever <laughs> liquid you're putting in. I mean, it doesn't even have to be liquid. I mean, you can you can do all sorts of things with that megaphone trophy. Oh yeah. So I mean, you can inhale some things if you needed to. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I mean, and we are playing Michigan State. So if you just so happen to go up to East Lansing and route Sparty, if BK, you know, lit up a bowl using the you know megaphone trophy, it's legal. Absolutely legal. I would imagine there'd be no fallout from that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I let's just make sure Kelly's last season. Uh, we know like beforehand, like it's the her, you know, the goodbye season, and that Michigan State is on the schedule in East Lansing, and the, I'm just gonna push that narrative all fucking week long because Indiana will never legalize it. I mean, it'll be 2000 fucking 80 before they do that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I think that's even generous for Indiana. <laughs> well, 2008 probably. <laughs> so, so you're calling for Brian Kelly to retire and Indiana will come out with laws to, <laughs> for it to be illegal in state. You're calling for Kelly to retire in 2027. 
You know, that isn't far off of what I've been saying anyways, though, has it? No, I don't think so. I mean, that's not far off of what I – because I think he's going to stick around longer than than what a lot of people like saying. I think they're just they're saying it to try to will it into existence. But I think he sticks around a little longer than what what's being let on. Just fine by me. I have no problems with that. None. You know, they had a protracted – you were in the press box. You didn't probably see this. But they had a, uh, a pretty long discussion for NBC talking about Brian Kelly, you know, obviously tying Newt Rockney for – for all-time wins, um, but also about um, the statues outside the stadium and how they belong to national championship winning coaches. And this kind of, I, I famously wrote an article when I wrote when I wrote for Her Loyal Sons back in the day that said there will be no Brian Kelly statue. But I think my resolve on that is is uh, lessening every single year. I mean, don't you think uh, Brian Kelly will get a statue outside the outside the stadium when he finally decides to hang it up, assuming that there's no further scandals. I don't think so. I don't think he would want a statue. I don't think he wants a statue that doesn't. I don't think you want to be the statue that doesn't have the national title on it. I think they'll do something like name something for him or after him. Um, I used to think that. A, I don't think that anymore. How do you but have yeah. a statue where you don't? Because you won more games there than anybody else in yeah. the history of the school. I mean, and that's the only. And that's the only reason. Why I'm wavered because I used to be like he has to have it. Now I've, al- have- I've also I've also said that he needs something. Like there needs to be a big something of about him somewhere because of what Notre Dame has done during his tenure. It's just it's it's been too important. There's been too many good things. But I think now with with the with the record inevitably going to be going to be his and going to be his by a long, you know. He's going to have it by a bunch by the time he leaves. I just don't know if there's any way around it. Now, Muffet certainly deserves one like two yes, years sir. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, you know, so if you, we want to talk about who, who deserves a statue, Muffet needs to go up like fucking immediately. Um, but I think, I, I just think they have to. I'm not exact, you know, does it have to be outside the stadium? No, it doesn't have to be. You know, there's no rules of this shit. Sure. So, if, you know, if they want to put it around the Goog or, or something like that, I think that would be something they could do. But I mean, I, they got to do. They're, they're, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. You just you, at a place like Notre Dame, you can't you can't leave as the all-time wins leader and just be a footnote in history on that school's campus. It's, it's too important. Um, is there a pecking order here? Like would, would Brian Kelly feel that Notre Dame stadium be more of an honor than a statue? Would Brian Kelly do what? If you named it, Brian Kelly feel that Notre Dame stadium, is that? More oh, of an Jesus. Honor? They, yes, it would be more of an honor because that's something okay. that Notre Dame would never, ever do. And so what if you name like would would it be too too a uh, little of an honor to name like a locker room after him or Yes. Because you okay. can buy that. I mean like okay. an accountant in Columbus yeah. could buy that. Someone could do that right could now. Could he like, buy if we came up with enough, enough money we could Brian buy the locker Kelly, room? What about the Brian Kelly rivalry trophy case? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be surprised if that's already etched on it. I mean, he's the reason that it's out there. 
yeah. and kudos kudos to him for it. I don't know. It's just it's a it is an odd situation. And when you were saying pecking order, Jude, I thought you were to start uh, the broader debate, which we don't need to get into at all. But but it but it has you know because of him tying the record and it about to fall here shortly. Um, you know people are talking, you know he's not as great. As, I'll tell you what. If if Brian Kelly wins just one national championship, just one before he gets out of Dodge, just one all time great. I would yeah. well three, three. He'd go ahead of Era. I mean, for me, it's Leahy, Rock, Leahy, and then Rock. But there's no, there has never been a time in college football where it has been this difficult to win a national championship. And you know, in the playoff era, it's even more difficult than it was in the BCS era. Here's, I, here's what I would I would say though: what, uh, why you could make it would an it would trump it would trump green. anything that Holtz did. Yeah, it, it, would, it would absolutely trump the '88 season, absolutely. Yep. And I understand people want to well they bring out well they beat this ranked team and this ranked team this ranked team, whatever man. Try doing that in this day and age, and then going into the playoff. And you could say, well, that was a plan. Well, that wasn't how. That's not how it is. In this day and age, in the way that things go about, and the mega football machines that are just in fucking high gear, such as in Alabama, it to become a national champion is just stupidly difficult. It's not like he's a walking into it like oh, I mean. Ed Ogeron going down as a national championship winning coach is just the silliest thing of all time. God bless college football. <laughs> I mean, it is, I mean, it is. It's a fucking you, it's, Joe a, Burrow. it's a joke. Yeah, uh, Joe Joe Burrow, Joe Brady. I mean, it's a Joe trophy. The Joe trophy. But yeah, if Brian Kelly wins in this day and age, it trumps Divine, it trumps Holtz, and it would trump Era. It's just harder now than it's ever been by Carolina far. Panthers look really good, by the way. Speaking of What's Joe that? Brady, speaking of Joe Brady, Carolina Panthers look pretty good so far with Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> and uh, Joe Brady out there. I well, here's what I would say: I, it's very difficult for me to compare um, Leahy Eras. and Rockney to even even Era Parsegian. I, th- I think it's it's just it's the scholarship limitations. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but it's just the sports different. The scholarship limitations are different. Um, right. the level of competition among the schools is significantly different. Um, it's just, it's tough. It would be, it would be a, a massive feat, uh, with the self-imposed limitations that Notre Dame places upon themselves or Brian Kelly to pull off a national championship. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I thought you were, uh, I, I want to talk about this later. I don't think it's important to talk about up front, but I was thinking of you the other day, Josh, when, when we, it sounds like NCAA finally settled the countable scholarships quandary that they put themselves in because of the COVID year. Um, well, I'm really angry that you brought that up because I still oh, have not oops. read that through and through. I've been meaning okay. to over the last few, last few days. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep, I, it's, I literally haven't written down in like five different places. So moving on, how about that Purdue game, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's move on. <laughs> hey, at least I'm not going to talk out of my ass. I do. I, I do want to be, I do want to have that. In. I meant to get it up right away on the site. And I apologize to people that I don't know why you would rely on me for recruiting news, but maybe at least you value my opinion. I've been meaning to take care of that. It just, it's been too busy. So I haven't had a chance to, but anyways, 
Notre Dame beat Purdue. <laughs> so let's <laughs> talk about that. Uh, all right, guys. So Notre Dame went into this game uh, seven-point favorites. They left the game as 14-point winners. Just overall, let me ask, just give me your overall um, thoughts on your basic, your most general thoughts about on this game and, you know, how you feel it, uh, how it projects towards the rest of the rest of the season moving on onwards. Brendan, start us off. Okay. I'll, uh, so there's, there's two things about this game, um, that I noticed that in the second half, of the football game, Notre Dame's offense seemed to start to blossom. You know, the, the Kyron Williams run was nice, um, but the protection looked like it had in, was improving in the second half. Um, Cone was playing better than he was in the first half, which I don't necessarily think that that's particularly difficult to accomplish. But um, I did notice some positives in that second half. I think that the defense played exceptionally well for a second straight week. Um, when you only give up one touchdown, um, you can hang your hat on that. I mean, touchdowns happen. Um, it's difficult to shut teams out. I thought the defense played, um, really well. I don't think Purdue's got a very good offense, but kudos to Notre Dame for shutting down a bad offense, um, and doing what you're supposed to do on the flip side. I think we'll probably get into this a little bit more. Um, I think I've seen all that I need to see from Jack Cohn. Um, and we get into that a little bit later, but I think I've seen all that I need to see. Yeah, we talked about that in our private conversation during the game, which is our continuing frustration with whatever this this Jack Cone led offense is. Um, and and I think we'll, we'll probably get into the details of why we think um, it doesn't the way that work the way that probably Tommy Reese wants it to work, and certainly not the way the fans want to see the team play. Um, I think my overall thought is that. There's nothing going to be uh, easy about any of these 12 weekends that, uh, you know, any of them have the potential to um, make it closer than it needed to be. Uh, I don't know that I felt during Purdue, like the game was slipping away. Like I thought with, and during Toledo, which was a little bit of sense of dread, but um, it's definitely not a comfortable ride. Like it was the last three years. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think we were always comfortable with Ian Book, and we always thought that he was great. But I think there's there's some fans that always wanted more, and and I think that right now that they probably would would take Ian Book 100 times out of 100 um, instead of having to suffer through whatever this offense is with with Jack Cohn at the helm. So, um, you know, glad they won. You know, obviously great to see them at 3-0. Love to see them get to 4-0. But uh, it's going to be a night fight again next week, I think, too, and and probably for a lot of successive weeks going forward. With the exception of probably like, <laughs> well, I mean, I would say exception of like Navy, but you never know. You really never yeah. know. Jesus Christ, put the fucking pitchforks down, fellas. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess my overall my overall take from this game in, in a very basic sense was they played a lot better than they did the week before against better competition. Yep. Now, that may be a simplistic view of things, but because of the way the first two weeks went, I think a simplistic way to look at things is probably for the best because I think diving too deep into kind of the muddle fuck that was the first two weeks and into this game, I think 
not not that we're grasping at straws, we're reaching at things. And I, I don't think there's a there's a a tale to be told as of yet. We we know what Notre Dame needs to improve on. We know what they're good at. You know now. You know it kind of started a little bit with Purdue. Now we move into the meat of the schedule, and basically it's I don't want to say wait and see, um, come and taste, uh, but that's you know kind of how it's going. You know going to roll out. It's just we're going to have to deal with that. I, I'm I am not even remotely as down on Jack Cone as uh, you two or even Greg, and for just one simple reason is. Tyler Buckner is not ready to lead this offense full time. And if you think that, I think that you're crazy. Jack so Combs. I think it's, I think it's your fucking crazy, but I mean, that's it. He's just, he's not ready. Jimmy Clausen was not ready to do it as a freshman. Jack Cone's not ready he to lead this to. offense. He didn't even complete 50% of his passes and you can, you can look this, at the drops, it, it, but like this game. Yeah. You could add about, I don't know, add six, just flat out fucking drops. Just say five. I, I'll make I think I think you can generously th- say that there were. I think you can generously yeah, say that there were four. So. I would. I I'll say five. Twenty out of thirty-one ain't all that bad. Add another what? Sixty yards out of that five. That's just a twelve-hour, twelve, twelve-yard average. All right. So two eight. He's fine. He's not great. He's not great. But to think to, to for me to sit here and think that Tyler Buckner is going to be the one that make this offense go throughout the entire game for the rest of the season, I think is nuts because he's not, but that's the problem is that who's going to make the offense go then. If it's It's not the quarterback, if it's not the quarterback, I don't, I I don't so find, I don't find as much fault as you guys do with, I mean, Cone has an issue inside the pocket, which is even bigger, which is exacerbated because the line clearly has issues. Now they played a little better and I I think we were all going about ready to rag on Josh Lug. I made a funny joke about I thought it was funny anyways, like hey, every good every highlight Notre Dame had, Josh Lug did his job. So, <laughs> you know, get him to do his job, maybe things would be, be better off. But I think it's on Tommy, I think it's on Tommy Reese to game plan correctly. But I just there's there's no there's nothing that there's nothing in that well. There's nothing that well. Tyler Buckner is is great as how they what we're going to try to use him as is just kind of like a a fucking changeup, much like 2012. And that's just kind of that's just what we're stuck with. You know, Brendan Clark got hurt, so we don't didn't have him. And if you're thinking what the fuck am I doing talking about Brendan Clark, uh, that was the guy I had pegged last winter to be to be the starter going into the season before we found out about his injury. And because he's hurt is why we have Jack Cone. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and trash Jack Cone and put the, all the offensive woes on him when clearly the offensive line has issues. Fucking 13 targets to your top two receivers and Michael Mayer and Kevin Austin, and they come up with one of those, ca- one catch for five yards. Purdue effectively took Mayer out most of the game. Which was, yes. which is, which is fine. That's game plan. That's you kind of expect that going into a game. Like, all right, they're going to game plan for him, which only made Austin, which they tried to push the ball to him, more that important. Like, if they're going to take out Mayor, we're going to hit him with Austin. And they tried that, and Austin just decided Saturday was not the day for him. So he's benched in the third quarter, and then who steps up? 
Avery motherfucking Davis for the second week in a row. And look, Avery Davis is a beast. Five catches, 120 yards. Uh, they had a long ass 62 yard touchdown. Uh, how, I mean, I don't know what the GPS was on that, but he just, he pulled away full speed from another guy, full speed. That looked like, that looked very nice. And that was it. I mean, it's just, if, if Austin shows up to play, I think things look a lot different. If Lindsay doesn't drop a, a perfectly placed ball in the back of the end zone, things are different. That's not to say Jack Cohn played perfect. He had a couple of overthrown balls that were fucking terrible, but just to, to, for me to sit here and trash him because not every pass of his was correct or that he was in the pot, you know, stepped up into a shitty pocket and got annihilated, you know, whether his fault or not. And I, that debate right now is one of the, we've never had that debate. We've never had that debate at Notre Dame before ever. And fucking if quarterbacks getting sacked, your fucking lines not doing the job, period. I don't give a fuck if he's that we've never had this debate ever at Notre Dame. And so for the, this is all new to me this year. So Jack Cohn, is he perfect? No. Is he the best option we have at this moment? Yes. So we had this discussion oh. existed, by the way, in 2017 with Brandon Wimbush taking sacks. I mean, it was the same thing with you have a well, Joe Moore award winning offensive line. No, it, in, not, not in 2017. It was in 2018. No, it, it was, was 2017. 2017, I think, I believe, was the most sacks of uh, the, of the Brian Kelly era. It was a discussion I remember. I remember the I remember the sack talk in 2018 because of them trying to make Brandon a a pocket passer. But it was it was never on this level. It was never even the discussion. Even 2017 or 2018, it, it, it wasn't even a discussion of of fault. It was a discussion of scheme. Like why, you know, we were. Banging on Kelly, banging, you know, about why are you trying to make Brandon Wimbush something he's not? Yeah, the, that was, the, 2017, that was big... the 2017 team gave up uh, 30 sacks and the 2018 team gave up 25. So the one that won the Joe Moore Award gave up 30 sacks. It's kind of funny. <laughs> so I, I guess I would say two things. One is that um, I agree with. You, Josh, that if Tyler Buckner were ready to play, and I and I'm kind of one of those people that always just sort of defers to the coaching staff, like coaching staff knows best um, because they see a lot more of all these players than we do. Um, if he were ready to guide this team in a more uh, in a more uh, robust way, then he would be there, be playing more, or be starting, or be starting. And what we saw That's this the word was robust was uh was lesser snaps for him um having said that i agree with brendan which is that i think that a lot of the um offensive line woes are exacerbated by jack cone um and and it just it a lot of these problems would be uh mitigated by a a more mobile quarterback and i think that jack cone is 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 hurting uh the offensive line is hurting jack cone and jack cone is hurting the offensive line and um, See, I, I I agree to that. I mean, I I, I agree to that for sure. Like, I, I don't. What is, I, I don't. What is Brian Kelly? Here's a, here's my question though: Is what does Brian Kelly always say about champion playing at a championship level? Are you going to win a national championship with Jack Cohn as your quarterback? Are well, you're not going to do it with Tyler Buckner or, no, 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 or no. Drew Pine either. But here's the thing: you don't know if you're going to win it with Tyler Buckner. 
It is. Yes, it is you a do. Map- no, you don't. You don't. You. That's why you, he's not starting. Do that's not. not why he's not. That's why he's not getting half his snaps because they know that. If because they, Jack Cohn, it's a it's a matter of ceilings and floors, right? And I know what the ceiling is on Jack Cohn. I don't know what the ceiling is for Tyler Buckner. And there I is think that. I know what the ceiling is on our freshman quarterback who is just now getting the first playing time in over a year. I can tell you the ceiling. It's lower than Jack Cohn's. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that's true. I think that you at could this, see and Look, four, this is not to say Buckner is not going to be a, a great quarterback in Notre Dame because I fully believe it. In fact, did I not say back in the winter that if Tyler Buckner isn't the backup quarterback in the fall, they fucked up. Like I, I had enough faith in him back then to say this is the kind of talent that's going to be the backup. But the backup, I mean, it's it's it'd be the same as putting Jimmy Clausen out to the fucking, and it's the same kind of line play as 07. Like if, that is not a good mix. Like if expecting Tyler Buckner to run, a, the but full, he's not a statue like Jimmy Clausen was. Exactly. Expect him to run the full offense that you need to run to win a national championship. The ceiling is lower this season. But what is the full offense under Jack Cohn besides take four sacks and throw for a middling 250 yards and score, you know, he, wait, 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 you can't first two games of the season. He had over 600 yards and six touchdown passes. On yeah, this but last it was against the Florida two, State secondary two, that was hot two, trash. Hey, this last game, he, he had 223 yards and two touchdown passes. He has two interceptions overall after three games. One of them was a fucking Hail, Hail Mary interception. The other one was a terrible pick six. He's not middling. That's not, that, Those aren't middling Middle. stats. Go, those go are middling stats. Stat, stat line. That's, that's Evan but Sharp's That's, that's a line. different era of football. This is this is a middling – when, when your I offense think, isn't I mean, rushing it, and you put up 366 of those yards against Florida State in overtime. I just – Do you, you two, honestly think a freshman like Tyler Buckner, who has not played a whole lot of college football over the last two years, is going to be able to pl- go up against Wisconsin and Jim Leonard and know what he's seeing out there in the field? He's going to be able to – I have – Is he going to be able to I run more no than idea. 10 – Able to run more than 10 plays? Well, I think the coaching staff has a pretty good idea, and that's why he's not the starter. That's I know why they why had to go out and get starter, a but I'm saying that they're going to ride with Cone. And I know yes. that the ceiling of Cone is, and it's going to end up, it's either going to be with Cincinnati or it's going to be with Wisconsin. But there's going to come a time when Jack Cone needs to get into a shootout and make plays, and he's not going to be able to do so because that's not the quarterback that he is. Except, except I, I mean, I have a little more faith in our, I mean, it's Kevin Austin's drops notwithstanding. I actually think our wide receiver core is pretty fucking good. Like, really good. Like, Braden Lindsay had a fucking drop in the end zone. That was terrible. If you watch it in the, in the first two games, what were we bitching about? Jack Cohn not fucking hitting Braden Lindsay on a wide open on a seam, right? Toledo and Florida State, both of those. Uh, Kevin Austin, great player, can be a great player. I mean, they're, they're, Avery Davis just had that game. There's, there's weapons out there. So if we need to get into a shootout where we're going four wide, five wide, by the way, your running backs are also weapons in the in, in the passing game. More so than they are on the ground. Right. Well, I mean, whatever. If you're in a fucking shootout, how does it matter? What does it matter? If you if you're literally in a shootout, and I just I don't know, I'm not sure if if this defense is getting its legs you know under them and getting, you know, starting to figure themselves out, which they looked a lot more like that. Saturday against Purdue, then how much of a shootout do you, are you going to need? 
do you need to score 45 points? Maybe I, against I guess, Alabama, but but yeah, listen, maybe against, against Alabama. Cincinnati, but, against Cincinnati, would, you are. But we have never done that anyways. So, <laughs> I mean, the ceiling for – as far as the ceiling goes, the ceiling for Cone is about the same as as any Notre Dame quarterback that's played in the last decade right now. It just is. Oh, I think with, with Ian Book, this team's humming because he's got the weapons, and I think that he has the mobility in order to – cover up and mask some of the deficiencies of this line. And as far as the weapons with the wide receivers go, I mean, we're three games into the season and I love Braden Lindsay, but I mean, we're three games into the season and what's Braden Lindsay stat line. Right? I don't know and, his total stats. And we are <laughs> great, Bob. I mean, I, I, no, they're not, they're not, they're, they're not great, but what, but no, again, he's, he's got seven for are, 93. What are the, what are the things we bitched about in the first two games? Jack Cohn, not, not finding Braden Lindsay. Wide open down, you know, in the middle of the field. Yep, right in the right in the we middle. Of, it. And then, so may, I don't know. Maybe there's something going on at practice. Let's say, I just the potential for this wide receiver core that we talked about in the preseason, I think, is still there now after three games. In it's fact, a I'm more quarter of the way through the season, and the two wide receivers of note have a combined 15 catches. Right. So I, I just I think at this point. Like there is the potential, but we're three games into the season. Okay, so and we played so three of the worst you. opponents we'll see all here's, year. Here's my question. Here's my question to you then. What do you do? What what do you do? Here, Tyler Buckner, go in and sorry, but you're gonna get a concussion uh every other game like Jimmy Clausen did. Because well, that's well, basically what's gonna happen. Because you're you're I, either I, listen, you're either gonna get him killed because he didn't know what he's looking at, or you're gonna run the shit out of him and he's gonna get fucking teed off on. Like, do we really want to ruin him for I mean, next not, year? When he's we not exactly him? like a, a slight guy. He's not a, he's not a, like five eleven. I, did, I didn't say that. In fact, he, his, that 20 yard run on third and 16 was about as tough as they fucking come. I get that. Well, Josh, I mean, I don't, I don't think we should baby I mean, him. I, 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 I mean, uh, no, first of no, all, no, no. I, use him like we've been using him is what I'm saying. I just don't think you're saying, I don't think the solution is got to go with Tyler Buckner. He's the man. All right. Well, there's two fucking. I guarantee there's two losses right there. With Cohen, I think that I think those two losses. I see two, I see two are, losses are up Cohen. in the air. Yeah, I guess I'm with Brendan in that in that I, I I just don't think that Jack Cohen takes you to the national championship and and you know I don't I don't the thing is you know I, I still revert back to my position which I said is the coaches must know much more than we do on this on this. So I, I get that Tyler Buckner's not starting. I just um, I think that this needs to be a little bit more of a, of a Jack Cone wind down and a Tyler Buckner wind up. And if it, if, if that causes some growing pains, um, in the middle of the season, it, it might, it might be necessary, but I just don't, I don't see Jack Cone ascending. I, I, I just feel like, um, that, uh, that Brenda does that he's, he's just another guy and, and, um, you know, maybe against this first quarter of the season, which is, which I agree with Brendan, was probably um, among the three weakest teams that we'll see in our schedule, probably definitely two, um, maybe the verdict's still out in Purdue, but uh, I just, uh, I just don't, I don't believe in this guy a uh, long-term and, and I, and, and in closing, I just I don't want need to, say, to believe in him long-term. I just need to believe in him for fucking eight more games. I, in closing, <laughs> I want to say, uh, I usually run into the Josh Buzzsaw, so it's actually kind of uh, amazing to be standing here on the other <laughs> well, side listening to. Well, here's uh, here's the fun. Here's the fun. Here's the fun part about this all, is that 
would would you would you go down the route that Brendan went, is going down with that? I am only guaranteed to be fucking wrong, <laughs> in a sense that any any fucking mistake you, that Cone makes right. is going to yeah, be just true. fucking piled on for bullshit. And then when Buckner comes in and fucking coughs up the fucking football or doesn't have a fucking clue where he's turning at or can't see three wide receivers, it's growing pains. It's fine. I I, I will say I, this. I do not find I do not find the the that that logic is acceptable to me as a fan, as a fan or nor as if I was a fucking coach that would build. No, there's no way in hell I would do that. I just, I am just astounded. I, that, I think that, I, I'm just, just, I'm actually surprised right. myself because I was very much on the other side of this. Like, I think Brandon Wimbush is still capable. I don't know what we have in Ian book. Like, I feel like <laughs> 2018, I was the exact opposite side of this where a lot of people were like, let's see what book can do. Bring the kid in. Well, and, and I was just like, in 18, then, in 18 eight, like I, everyone already knows I'm already, I'm, I'm fucking like beyond like done with comparisons of other seasons. Like, <laughs> Brendan, like, I, like I was like, I'm ready to rip shit down for like, well, this reminds me of the 2016, oh, but now you brought up 18. I look back at that time as, as, even more than our 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 biggest beef, more so than Bra- than with Brandon Wimbush's play, was how Bra- how they were trying to use Wimbush. And granted, we all kind of knew that he couldn't hit a fucking the side of a fucking barn from five yards away, but trying to make him a pocket passer was even more infuriating. It's yeah. like we could we got good running backs, we have a good line, we have this running back who can run like the fucking wind. And can throw up fucking, you know, seventy yards down fucking field. Why are we leaning more into running the, you know, running the football with him and then hitting our shots? Like I, I think that was a thing a lot of us, you know, back in eighteen thought we should be doing more of. And then they made the switch. And then it was like, then you know, then Wake Forest happened. It was like, okay, this is fine. But I just thought I, I, you're not gonna, you're not, you're not gonna put Tyler Buckner in against fucking. Wisconsin. I, look, I think. Well, I think. Let's not even say Wisconsin because because that that's 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 unfair. not going to happen. Because well, well, it's not going to happen like, against Virginia Tech. I mean, pick North Carolina. Who's shit? I mean, it, it's yeah. not going to be that switch like Ian Book was in eighteen. You're, the, if anyone's Ian thinking Book that's going to happen, a football game. He started a football right. game in seventeen against if it, uh, North Carolina, and he won the he, goddamn Citrus Bowl against fucking LSU. Okay. Yeah. That, that's and switch, one problem, like an 18 ain't gonna happen. One problem with Buckner as well, and this was a game that Buckner should have had a considerable amount of use in, because um, it was obvious that Cone was having some struggles. But Buckner pulled a hammy right on his run. That's why he didn't play for the rest of the day. Um, didn't Buckner Buckner strained his hamstring or something? during the game. And that's why he didn't, he didn't play anymore. And so there were valuable snaps that I think moving forward, so you're, if saying you the want most, to have, so you're saying the most valuable part about this quarterback that we should be playing over Jack Cohn, uh, broke a little after using him for four plays. Uh, yeah. That's have, what Brian Kelly said. Yeah. Though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that could, that's, seriously, but, Kelly said, we're not going to put him in the game because Jack Cohn's our quarterback and he didn't want to, I guess, put the kid out there in whatever situation decide to roll with him. I mean, that's a decision by Kelly. Um, but this was a game. I think that if he was going to, it could have been a, an instance where you need to get those snaps in games like this. 
Um, and then next week against Wisconsin, it's going to be 10-10. They got banged up. <laughs> so, I mean. But, I mean, that's that's I mean, like. That's all. That's. And so just that's part of my point. Like the other side of it, or the, the other little bit of it, and this is a smaller portion, but it is still important, is that, all right, let's say, let's say Kelly says, fuck it. We're going to go with Buckner. We're going to start him. Jack Cohn, who's a fifth-year fucking transfer, could have gone to a fucking long list of schools and been the starter. Chose Notre Dame to be the starter. After three, four games, you're benched with relatively good sat or good stats, but with the line that's fucking been questionable with all these new fucking starters, and you're getting benched for this fucking freshman. Now, yeah, Buckner gets hurt. Buckner gets hurt in a game later. How invested do you think Cohn's been? Because I, I guarantee you, and I, you, we've all seen it, and that just this isn't just Notre Dame. This yeah, is college football. You, all over you can't coach scared. You can, yeah. no, you can't coach you scared, have, but you, you have to Drew, coach smart. You have, and to you have coach Drew smart. Pine there too, so you can turn you yeah. can turn to Pine if you needed to. Yeah, like I, if Cole wants to check out, just beat out. But I, I think that that's probably an upside thing and a package thing. Again, I just I I don't see the I don't see any logic that would. Say let's let's just let's let's start Buckner. That's, it just makes no sense to me at all. Unless he is absolutely fucking been lights out in practice. Hey, maybe maybe there's common ground here though, which is if, assuming Buckner the hamstring isn't a isn't an ongoing thing or worsens or whatever. Um, you do think that there's 20 snaps a game for him though, right? I don't know if 20 is the number, but I do. But I do think. Listen. I liked what we saw like against Toledo, like a couple series. <clears throat> so maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, somewhere in the range of 10 to 15, you know, or just flat out two series. You know what I mean? I, I want to use him and I'm not a two quarterback guy. I've fucking, I've never been, but in this case, because of the way that the running game needs some help, I don't, I don't mind that at all. And I think that, and plus that gives him an extremely it gives him just a awesome amount of of you know of PT and knowledge to help him out going towards next season when he's going to be the fucking man. Like I have no again, I have no doubt that Tyler Buckner is a is a good talent. I've been saying it for a long fucking time. Said he was going to be the backup. Said fuck and he's going to be the starter going into 2022. So he needs snaps. He needs to play in time. And I think meaningful playing time is the best playing time, right? Like we don't need him coming in the garbage time, right? That, that, that don't do a goddamn thing. I don't need him coming I mean, in and handing the football off. No, no. Which no. is essentially what Drew Pines, you know, right, career right. playing. No, we don't, we, we don't need that. But in a sense, I, I, am, I believe that the season is better off in the hands of Cone with a little Buckner sp- sprinkled in, which also – and that just goes hand in hand with we're better off doing it that way and for next season as well. You know what I mean? It also helps us for 2022, which is never a huge, like Jude and I have, have we've debated about this before, you know, would you do this for the next season? Uh, well, I don't even remember what that was, Jude. Like, was that an Ian Book thing? Yeah, it was a filter Kovic. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ian Book, would you bring Ian Book back for some sort of like senior not, senior Well, we're not going to need that anymore. Yeah. Now, <laughs> But yeah, I've never been a next season kind of a guy, 
other than the fact is, you know, get your backups some PT. I mean, that's that's my only basis. I'm, I'm not like, you. oh, you have to get these guys ready. Well, you have to win fucking football games. And as you win them, you need to make sure the guys that you know are going to be a, part, a big part of your team next year get some meaningful snaps. So I think it, it's the way that the way that this started in the look with Cohen and Buckner, I think that's what's happening. Now, Notre Dame drops a game or two. They drop a game or two. Look, it ain't all going to be on that fucking quarterback's fault because there's been plenty of issues. And the issues in the first two games weren't all on the offense's fault because the defense let so many fucking big plays happen. Purdue, we saw two big plays defensively or against the defense. Both were, well, I was going to say 30 yards. One was a 31-yarder. One was a 30-yarder. Now, they did have, what, six plays of 15 yards or more. That's still not, like, insane. It's not optimal. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, not optimal, and it's not insane. Like, it's like, it's kind of what you expect. Kind of what I expected from a, a middle-of-the-road passing Power 5 school. Like, like 15, a 15-yard play, that's a, that's a pass. You know, so if you get three or four 15-yard passes in a game and you get a, a couple of it, it was it was about it was about right for what I expected out of that. So which was a good thing. So the first two games, I mean, you could hey, why <laughs> we were up by 18 points against Florida State and then oh. we weren't. Is that the offense's fault? Is that Jack Cohn's fault? No. So I mean it, they kind of went into their shell and basically just Yeah. But is that Jack Cohn's fault? Or is that Tommy Reese's fault? It could, some, no. I mean, yeah. some, some of it is some, uh, look, it, no, I little I, column A, a little column B. Yeah, it the is. Fault, exactly the fault right. lines along the defense that is getting gashed on the ground playing prevent, which, which that, they have not done since they gave up 57 yards against Purdue. Right. Um, other than the, the long than run, more. Toledo didn't do anything. Um, the, the, I will, the bigger point, the bigger point is that this team overall offensively and defensively is, uh, improving if ever so slightly nudgingly throughout the season. So three games behind him. Now I am curious to see how both side, how both units perform against Wisconsin. I think, I think, I think Wisconsin offensively is pretty inept. I think the defense is improving. I think the offense is slightly not improving. I, I, or, or about the same. I, I, I guess I don't, I buy, I buy half of the argument, which is I, I do feel like the defense is getting better. Um, but I'm not sold on the offense getting better. They had fewer yard points than Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> they had they had fewer five, third downs. By five. They had fewer but third they downs. But they weren't down as much as Purdue was either. Uh, they had fewer. Their third, their, their third down percentage is awful. I mean, they, only, they were 4 of 17 on third down. Yeah, they did have that which nice, is worse than uh, Purdue's 4 of 16. Right. They did have that nice uh, fourth down play. Um, it was. The way I saw it was it was a game that was not really called for as many drops as there were kind of like of passes, 50, like past 15 yards. It didn't feel like it was an explosive type of play calling day. Like they were going to basic bitch this out and they did. And that's fine. I mean, you like, again, Michael Mayer was took out of the game. That's that's your basically your top dog. And then Austin doesn't come through. So. Who had to come through? Kyron Williams and Avery Davis. That's a, I, that's not terrible. A, improvement, yeah, maybe that's a little strong, but I did think the offensive line played a little better. And that's against against stiffer competition. 
wasn't great. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying give him the fucking Joe Moore award. I'm just saying they played a little better from what I saw. They were, yeah. they got some push. They, they protected well at times. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a total fuck show. Like it has felt the last you know, two weeks games. before. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just, like small improvement, but it's improvement. Nonetheless, like, I'm not trying to, you know, they're not going to win the Joe Moore award. This offense isn't scoring 40 points a game. At least, I mean, but it's it's felt like a, a an improvement against again a better team than they had played the previous two weeks. Not like produce a great team, but they're still probably better than Florida State and still probably better than Toledo. Yeah, I, I like I said, I did notice that there was some improvement in the second half. Um, it's just you know. In the second half, they scored, what, 17 points? So, uh, yeah. Which, so, how many points did they score? What did they score last week against Toledo in the second half? They scored a, a bulk in the second half then, too. It's, it's I, I mean, I, I, I thought about this uh, yesterday a little bit, but it seems like, I, I think it, maybe it's just coincidence because of the way the games have gone and it's early, it's only three games in. But it feels more like a second half team a little bit. This week uh, like, they, actually, uh, they didn't score on their first drive, which they'd done the first two weeks. Which was um, for me was encouraging. What, what <laughs> seeing Cone get uh, just absolutely hammered on his first drop back. I was, the, the I, was I was actually pretty pretty happy about that. Like all right, break the trend. I think was it seventeen. Jude, you might know this was it, of you too. Wasn't 17 like the same thing? Like our first drive was like fucking money. And then like the next three drives would be just pure shit. They got off script. And- um, it was, well, in 18, I remember the joke being about Ian Book going, maybe it wasn't three and out, but it was close to it during Wake Forest. And I said, Brandon Wimbush never did that because he would he scored on each of the first drives in the first three Maybe it was 18, it yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I was. I was no, you don't like make like, parallels yeah. that year, but like, hey, universe, like, yeah, let's let's turn this around. Uh, and then the second drive happened, and I, so <laughs> I mean, that wasn't any better. I mean, I was like, oh wait, there was it wasn't a karmic twist. It was just this is bad. Uh, so I mean, your first three possessions, your your punting uh, isn't great, and of the, you know of the fir- of the four and three and outs that they've had Saturday. Saturday, two of them were those first three possessions. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and that's that's just. I don't know. Um, did, I don't know if you got to watch much of the Cincinnati game up in the booth, um, but Cincinnati didn't do anything for that first half. Uh, I don't even know if they had 100 yards, uh, but they sure as hell did in the second half. Um, and that's a team that's explosive. So I think, I don't know. I, I, I see the drops, um, being something that they can correct, correct. And the big plays are part of the offense because if they're not hitting the big plays, they just, there is no grind it really to this, this offense. It, they, it just does not have the, the ability to seemingly grind out drives like they did with Ian book. Right, that was the whole point of this year, right? Yeah, you were expecting more. I have no more confidence they can make a third and one on the ground. I have no confidence. Yeah, because right. they can't run. Right. I, if right. we don't take away runs, 
um, when looking at averages. But you take away that 51-yard run by Kyron Williams, and you're looking at an absolutely disastrous performance running the football. It's like 70, uh, 69 yards. Would it have been 69 yards if you took away the 51-yarder? It's just... That'd be pretty nice if it was. It would be, I know, it would I, be I, nice. I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out a way for we, for us to blame Jack Cohn for for you know the rushing yards on the ground between Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree can't run more than like no. He needs to stop. Yeah, he, he needs. I, to stop. Here's here's where I think Cohn is is a little bit of an issue for the running game though is unlike Buckner, you don't have to account for him running right. And yeah. so when there's why a, does it have? I, and I agree with you. Runs why does it have direction, to be? What's that? I agree with you there, but why does every fucking run have to be the uh, a uh, an RPO off of an RPO or just or or uh, or just a read option? Why does every run play have to be that? I think they want defense guessing, right? No one's guessing that Cohen's running. They know that. Hey, Tommy no, Reed's a smart that, but that's, yet he that, still calls that. That's what. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. All right, got you. All right, that's my point. Like, listen, if you're go- you're going with Cohen, that's the guy you picked, right? You're Tommy Reese. That's the guy you picked. You know he can't fucking run. You know it. You've seen him in practice. You know it. And you're still going to try these read options? Watching these defenses not give a fuck about what Jack Cohn does. All it does, call, is, del- call all it does is delay the the, the exactly. time that the running back has the ball exactly. in his hands. Exactly. So, ch- so change it up then. Because Kyron Williams is still a good running back. Chris yeah. Tyree were, can be. If they Let use him, him properly, the yeah, yeah, use him properly. But that's my point. Like, I don't think that they're using the running game properly. Like, even the line with their struggles, I think if they use a, a if they if they use the 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 running game a little better, you're gonna get better production. But like against Florida State was like the most egregious. It felt like like Jack Cohen ain't going anywhere, and like it took like all of two plays for Florida State to figure that out. So don't run it then. If that's you know, and when you bring in Buckner, sure you can go ahead and use it. But there's there's no leads. There's no just a straight fucking like just a, a zone blocking scheme to hand hand Kyron off the ball and have him fucking pick out his spot. I'm pretty sure that's what he's good at. Like that's we shouldn't have to. Tommy, they don't have to force Jack Cohn into being anything more than what he is. Like just hand the fucking ball off. But this delay is just letting teams tee the fuck off on on the backs. Are you are either one of you surprised that we haven't seen anybody besides um, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree in the backfield? Yes. Yeah. Like what what, what double secret probation is Audric estimate on that he can't even? Like, I just think like, they're going to use look. that freshman that freshman shit where he you know maybe he didn't ace his fucking calculus exam and so. But they pulled that over he, his fucking Deion head. Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles are still getting they're getting few snaps, but they're they're at least getting snaps, right? They're getting looks. Did they, how many snaps did they get against Purdue? I think they got one each, to be honest with you. But Jesus Christ, it's still it's still one, right? Right, they're still out there. We've said we have we haven't even seen the SMA out on special teams. So, but I guarantee you, if Sebo Flemister was in the lineup, he would he would have got a few carries. Now Kyron's great on short on short yardage. He had I mean, Mitchell, he had Mitchell been last got season. three snaps in, in the Purdue game. 
Um, so he's up they to even, six they, now in the season. They even split Evans out. It was actually a really nice play. Uh, but <laughs> just seeing that big motherfucker split way, way out was, uh, was actually pretty nice. But yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how many times Notre Dame has been in a third and one and fourth one. This, this ain't that podcast or I know those numbers, <laughs> but I know it's been a few, I know it's been a few times where we've had a nice handful of times. We've had short yardage. I don't know. You don't want to try just like straight up, try to fucking, I mean, you put, you put Joe all in a 45 you got Joe all in there for eight snaps. Yeah. To, I mean, come to on. help out with pass, bro. They, but here's the thing is they aren't using the running backs on third and short. Do you know how many times they've rushed it on third and one to three to go? Oh, it's been a few. Well, they gave they up. They know it was, it was being terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, but, but do you want to know the number? Yeah. Let's yeah. Give, Oh yeah. Four times for five yards. And I, I would not be shocked <laughs> if, if all four of those were in Florida state. Uh, and they, they, they did, they have uh, converted two of them. So they're 50% conversion rate on that third and one to three to go. Jesus. That's not great, Bob. But yeah, Jude, your, your point about, are these the only two running backs? I thought about that for a longer time than I probably needed to on Saturday. Like, are we, are we going to see, as to, I mean, I didn't think Diggs because just because uh, of the time, you know, he had, that he had been out, like like maybe like this week would be a time possibly. But are we not going to see another back? You're only going to use these two. And Tyree is struggling right now. He is on the struggle bus. And whether that's uh, because he of, the, of the, uh, well, of the plays that they're calling or the fact that, I mean, I just, I'm just not sure if Tyree he's not as good of an inside runner as Kyron and he may never be because the vision isn't as the vision isn't quite as there. He's not as patient coming off of a block. And I mean, the thing, the thing I'm really excited about His speed about, is nullified. Like what, once you get Chris Tyree mull, uh, kind of muddled up, his speed goes out the window, right? The old adage of put the, him in a phone the, booth. The thing is that that's incorporate yeah. that's, um, encouraging to me is that it seems like Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree have quite a relationship in which they're pushing each other. They're supporting each other. Um, I'm hoping that the Kyron can kind of help Chris identify some of the things that are, that he's doing that are not uh, working for him. And some of that is like you said, the, the patience angle, the, you know, f- um, freaking out. <laughs> And taking the wrong hole. Do you, you know, do you I think mean, that Kyron on- can help? Do you think Kyron can help Chris, uh, stay the fucking bounds? <laughs> because, because no. I, all, all I thought about when I saw him step out of bounds against Purdue on that was it because it was unnecessary was going back to the Alabama game when he just didn't realize where he was at on the sideline and stepped out of bounds. Like that's twice now. One time it's like, that's just the thing. Now it's twice. Like, how do you not know where you're at near the sideline? Like, I mean, even if you don't break it all the way, you're still talking about another 10, 15, goddamn 20 yards. I mean, he had, I mean, he, he could have fucking took it all the way, but just to be, uh, just to be on the safe side, I'll just say another 15 yards, but that's 15 yards. And Tyree and, and Kyron, they're pretty integral to this passing game right now. Like they're, they're second and third in receptions. 
Yeah. Kyron's uh, second on the team with 11, and, and Tyree's and, uh, 10. PFF says uh, Tyree's doing a better job in pass blocking than uh, Kyron is, which I think is interesting. So. Yeah, so I mean, I, look, I am all for Kyron and, and Tyree. It's just been, oh God, like everything else this goddamn season, it's just been frustrating, right? Like you're just like, you see, you've seen what you've seen with your own eyes, and then you saw what you saw, and then you, you're looking down there and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why, 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 why is that? Why is it that play? Why is he fucking running right in to the defender when he could have slid right off the ass of Patterson and gone the other way? Like, uh. you know, I, I really tried. I mean, I tried not to be like stupidly overcritical of players and coaches and try to have a little more fun with this. But the first three games of this season, like it's crazy that we're three and zero, and you're you're watching these games and you're just like, you know, you feel so tense. Like I, you know, I feel I feel for these guys because some like Tyree and Kyron, like Kyron especially, like this wasn't the kind of season that he really thought he was getting himself into. You know, three games in. You know what? I mean, how many rushing yards does he have for this? the first three games to 10, maybe something like that. I, mean, I don't know how their season totals in front of me. Uh, so far he's got two eleven. Yeah. Two, I, said two, I said two ten. Holy shit. I'm fucking and a, great. In a, in a <laughs> quarter of his, a quarter of his rushing yards came on one run. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I look and yeah, I don't, I don't toss the big plays away and say that because the big plays are the part of the game. Oh, they are. That's, that's how it's supposed to be. But, Still, I. There's only been one big play. It hasn't been fun. It hasn't been fun. It's been interesting. It's been wild. Yeah, I'm gonna go so far as to say is I don't believe that Jack Cohn is playing for his job by any stretch of the imagination against Wisconsin. But I feel like this game is going to be the inflection point in which we we probably look back and and decide whether or not that we we had more faith in Jack Cohn. We we didn't give like Brendan and I didn't give him enough. Uh, credit and that he did ascend um, after this game, or uh, this is this is the time that we knew like this was just unsustainable. I think Brendan and I are kind of under, already there, but I think we could probably get Josh over the hump with with uh, <laughs> with, with this next game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem the problem for me in that regard is that that's great if I could put Ian Book in, but I can't. I have to put in a freshman. Okay. And that's where, and you that's know, where you can put in pine. You can put in pine, which He's I will not. <laughs> and so, and, and that's where, so that's where I'm at. You know, it's, it's, it's not even a fact of like, yeah, it's a, it's a strange argument to make where I'm not really, I'm not trying to make Jack Cohen out to be more than what he is. Like I know exactly, I know what he is and I know what he can do. And right now that's what we got. Like it's, it's, you know, it's like walking into a street fight with your buddies. You know, you may walk in, you know, just four of you guys and there's six of them. And one of you, you know, one of your fucking friends is going to get knocked the fuck out in like two seconds. But <laughs> damn it, that's the guy who's getting knocked the fuck out. Like you can go grab, you know, the, the pseudo friend who just showed up at the bar like two minutes before you got into it. 
Now, maybe that doesn't make sense to some people. I think it makes sense to a lot of people, but it just, that's, I'm not, I, I just don't see it getting any better by like with the putting Tyler Buckner in this ain't the flip like 18 was with the Ian book. It just ain't, it ain't going to be. And even if you get a magic, even if you get magic for one game, like let's say, all right, let's let, fuck it. Let's say it. Let's say Jack Cohn either gets injured or, um, just is starts off the game just fucking atrocious against Wisconsin. And Kelly pulls out the old hook. He found it in a drawer somewhere. He's ready to fucking use it. <laughs> pulls out the hook. And then Buckner comes is it, in. still a Dane Chris ass or? <laughs> yeah. Buckner comes in and wins the game for you. Not like not on fire fucking stats, but he plays really good. And Notre Dame wins the f- football game. I don't yeah. expect that this week. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, that, there's, there's, I would give it a five percent chance to happening again the next week against Cincinnati. So five percent. Quick question: um, <laughs> Who broke the losing streak record against USC? Do you remember which you know what, quarterback that was? Yeah, yeah, he was a true freshman, right? Tommy Reese, who was a coach's son. Yeah, a three-star guy who probably had no – wouldn't have been recruited by Brian Kelly in any season subsequently, right? And we're talking about the USC team that was like pretty much broken (laughs) down to to themselves. We're not talking about fucking 2005. Had that guy caught that pass, Harrison Smith would have been a huge goat. Oh yeah, because he's that greatest of all time. Go. Yeah. So the for me that analogy don't stick. Tommy I mean, Reese came in. Because Tommy Reese came in and games. did. But he also. He also if, you a skill set, if you have a out. specific skill set, you can game plan around that specific skill set to take. Do advantage. you think? Do you think? Do you think two thousand and twenty one Cincinnati is a better team than two thousand and twelve USC? Well, yeah, 2012 so. USC. Yeah, oh, or, absolutely. Or 2010 USC. Take your fucking. They're the same team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. I, so it, it does. It wasn't. It wasn't like he was. He was playing that level. You know. Then he goes to a bowl game and he fucking beats Miami because they can't stand the cold. But Tommy, I mean, Reed, I, I, I mean, look. I don't think anybody could have looked any worse in their in their debut performance than, than Tommy Reese, Mr. Flea Flicker, into an interception on his first pass, right? No, and, absolutely and we, not. And we still know. ripped off we still ripped off four wins at the end of that season. So you don't think Jimmy could have? You don't think Jimmy looked a little worse? <laughs> well, part of that was the the, <laughs> the center snapping the ball over his head. So I suppose, yeah. But, but Jimmy, and I get, Jimmy in 2007 at least didn't get better. In, so I in guess 2010 that's, we had the the year to year. Right. I guess that's more of my point. Like, you know, 2007 was a fucking was the worst season ever, period. Right. Like, no, no, no question about it. Right. I don't recall yeah. 2007 season happening, actually. So yes. I don't know what you're talking so, about. Yeah. So it was the worst fucking like it, it, it was like many, many levels worse than 2016. Yet. If you had a better quarterback situation going into that season than 
Evan Sharpley, Jimmy Clausen, and fucking Demetrius Jones, you probably got a couple other wins on there. That's what I'm saying. Like, Tyler Buckner is not going to be, he is not fucking, uh, God, who was the fucking long hair freak that played for Dabo? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's not, he's (laughs) not Trevor Lawrence. We didn't. We're not asking him to be Trevor Lawrence. No, we're not no, asking him to be Trevor Lawrence. But but in a but in the but in a broad sense, people are. He's the he's the freshman hot shot that they want fucking playing over the starter because they don't believe he's playing well enough through wins. So in an essence, Tyler Buckner is, but in reality, he is not. Is not going to be that. So I just I. I Unless Cone fucking absolutely shits down on the fucking toilet, and then it's just like, get ready for 2022. Starting Tyler Buckner for me is not even remotely an option. Now, and but the, like I said, I'll be the lone voice out there because I guarantee 90% of the fans who are screaming for the fucking backup quarterback, regardless. I mean, these people were trashing Ian Book every fucking. I mean, they, these fucking people trash everybody all the fucking time. Christ. Well, and I want and I want you to I want you to hear me on this, which is I I am really not ever that guy. I'm never I really almost never am the guy that's just played a backup quarterback. He's got to be better. I, I'm just saying that I don't think this Jack Cone thing is sustainable. And I think I've seen enough to know that it there needs to be a little bit more of a Tyler Buckner needs to have more of a role in the in the offense and I think that you can get him comfortable to the point where he could be starting by the end of the year. And I'm not saying it's going to be uh, lights out, but I'm also thinking that maybe the long-term prognosis for the year 2021 is better with Tyler Buckner than it is with Jack Cohn. And, and you know what? I'm the first person to say, I would love to be wrong about that. I would absolutely love to be wrong about that. I would love to see Jack Cohn ascend into something more than I think he's shown in the, in these first three games and gladly eat these words as we cruise to a 12 and 0, 11 and 1 regular season. Um, but I just, yeah. I feel like, I it's, mean, I guess I would like to see happening. Kane Madden fucking ascend. I would like to see Josh <laughs> fucking Lug ascend. I would like to see Tosh Baker fucking ascend. Like, my list of players that need ascension are a lot longer than other people's, and it doesn't have Jack Cohn hitting until about fucking maybe five or six. I mean, there. That I mean, and again, I think that's I think that's fair too. I mean, I I think that you know when Kane Madden came in and he got all of the the preseason accolades, I, I I think that we were expecting this to be less of an issue than it is. And maybe you know a person smarter than me can probably talk about how much of this is is Kane Madden and how much of this is is being in sync with with the guys around him. But um, you know, it it's it's not been it's not been great. It's not been great with K Madden yet. So. Well, I mean, and then the, it it also brings up the question that just everyone I don't know if they choose to ignore, but because Kelly was so adamant about it, it that just no one wants to talk about it. Like, should Jarrett Patterson be playing center? Should fuck it? Should should they say, all right, fuck it, Zeke Carell can play center, and we because we need to get our best five out there in the best spots possible, and is that still? Patterson at center and Carell at left guard. Because well, it's too late. Obviously, it's too late now. At left guard, right? Because Chris <laughs> Christophe came in. 
I mean, they're, they're, they were using him. And so, I mean, it's like, I, I, it's too late to, to keep changing the line. Though, I love Pat, right? Is it? Well, I think it's something that you could probably work on in maybe a bit in a bye week or something, but I don't, I don't, you can't, I don't t- think you'd... you can't tell me if Jared Patterson goes down right now, Zeke Carell doesn't slide over to center. Oh yeah. So that's yeah. automatic. That's automatic. Yeah. So, I'm, you can't see me, but my hands are just going fucking wild right now. <laughs> so I give it a fucking, I mean, that is how uneven and I'm saying uneven in the kindest of senses. That's how uneven lines, but like give it a fucking shot. If you're going to bring Christophic in to spell Corell at left guard, maybe just swap Corell and Patterson and see what happens. Just do it in a game. So let's see what happens. So how much how much do you think that it, it that maybe you could maybe having maybe you could bring left guard and Patterson at left tackles then now that we're down to our third string left tackle how maybe, much do you maybe think that the lines woes though are based off of the fact that they haven't had any consistency through any point in the season thus far they haven't had the none. same five guys on the field for more than a half none okay that's that's stupid of me to say of course it affects it some. <laughs> well, I mean, of course it affects it some, but I don't, I think that'd be a cop out. I think that'd be an absolute cop out if that was a reason why. No, I don't think that it's a reason, but I think that there is something to be said for at some point, they have to just pick a five man team and just roll with it. Well, right? they have, they have, I mean, they've been doing that for three games. This was the first game. They really like they didn't, they didn't choose for Blake Fisher to get hurt. They didn't no. choose for Michael Carmody to get hurt. No. So, so they're, they got their five they They picked their five and they're sticking with it. It's just like, they have to dip down the depth chart because of injuries, but that ain't on like, like it's about, to, I mean, I, that's where I'm at. I'm at the point where it's like, it's mix and match time. It's, it's crazy day at school. Uh, so mix socks day, you know, maybe you try it. Maybe, Patterson at left tackle, Christophic at left guard, Carell at center. I don't know what you do with Madden, but apparently he's still going to be starting to right guard. And Josh Lug. I mean, give it a shot and tell me what happens. Maybe they haven't practiced and it looked terrible. But the way Kelly had talked about it preseason was kind of like a, a, a nod to Patterson. Like, we're going to do the best we can for him. Not with him, but for him. So because of the whole injury situation that happened and the, the, the plan that was never really public, but was public about moving Patterson to left tackle this season, you know, Blake Fisher made that all change. You know, Kelly was kind of, is kind of protective of what they're doing with Patterson for his long-term future, not with Notre Dame, but in the NFL. So I don't know. Again, my hands are going fucking wild, you guys. You can't see me. I I don't know. I just I just think that there's if it has looked as bad as we have seen, why are we not trying to change it? That's I mean that's a, to me that's as much of a as it is of bringing another quarterback in. Is changing up your lineup at the line. What could go worse? What could go wrong? You know, Jack Cone gets Jack sacked. Gets times. sacked? Oh my God! What? Bummer. That's how he happens? 
They're already halfway to their uh, 20, uh, 2017 sack high at 14 sacks. So we're, yeah, we're halfway so I don't there. Have, I don't have Jones any real – living on a prayer. I don't have any real like uh, – I'm not – I wouldn't be a big help in the coach's room. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'd be Charlie with the fucking – with the red the red string everywhere. Because, uh, I mean, so just good. to meet – yeah, well, Pepe Silva, Pepe Silva, just like there's so many different things. Have you tried this yet? Have you tried Jay Bramblett at center? Why not? Uh, I mean, that's well, how uneven Jay Bramblett is. Listen, Jay Bramblett, I'm I brought his name up for a reason. <clears throat> that motherfucker, oh, here can we go. Punt. That motherfucker can punt a ball, and that was some gorgeous ass shit on Saturday. And I'm like, I feel I am tweeting a Big Ten game because I am talking about how great the punts are, uh, which the hell the week before Toledo's punter was outstanding. Uh, but uh, uh, Jay, Jay Brown, but it's a weapon. He's yeah. a defensive well, he's weapon. Gonna need to, he's going to need to be on Saturday because, uh, like you said, Big Ten football, we're going to see a few punts in Chicago. Land. The old slobber knocker. Yeah, we'll we'll preview the uh, the soon to be thirteen ten win by whatever team uh, soon enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't expect a lot of points scored Saturday, yeah. uh, but um, I mean this. Is, so we spent like damn near an hour just like hammering home about Jack Cohn and the offensive line and and all that stuff. And I tried to get us over into the defensive side of the football, and we just we went right back. We went right back yeah. to the offense. So yeah. let's let's make sure we we spend some time uh, talking about what the defense did, and we got to talk about Kyle Hamilton, or else Greg's gonna just throw a fit. <laughs> just absolutely throw I a mean, fit. I, I think it's legit <laughs> to talk about Kyle Hamilton <laughs> in this game. Yeah, not, not just as a just. Did you know, he have a good game? Upset. Because not only did he have an interception, a couple of pass breakups, um, crucial stop. On a, on a fourth down, fourth down, but he also downed a punt at the one. <laughs> Just he did everything. <laughs> he had listened. Tucked, he made sure uh, to tuck his uh, heels in on the goal line so he wasn't on it. Jude, stop me if I if I step over the line. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. Stop me if I step over the line because I don't want to be that guy. Okay. Okay. This is a violent sport. And Kyle Hamilton is a violent man. I am extremely happy that David Bell is upright and walking and a walking, talking human being after Saturday. And I was extremely nervous after the play that Kyle Hamilton destroyed him on. Not for not about Kyle being ejected for targeting, because to me, it never even looked like anything like targeting, but because I was nervous that that he was toast and the stadium was silent. This is, that was a serious matter. Having said that, having your safety who flies like a fucking gazelle back there and covers half a field, but also comes up and just absolutely destroys people. That's fantastic. Love it. Yeah, so they they interviewed no that that was good. They interviewed Kyle Hamilton after the game on Peacock. They might have shown it on NBC. I was watching the Peacock broadcast, but um, he basically said you know something to the effect of like I hope he's okay. He's in my prayers or whatever. I think I think Kyle Hamilton was a little 
Um, my, my takeaway from what he said was that he was a little sh- shaken up because he's starting to realize that he has the power to like, and guys, career, but just like, yeah, just sort of like yeah. really just knock a dude senseless. And it was a, a vicious, a scary, it was vicious. a scary power to have. This is a scary power to have. It's a scary power to have. So, um, yeah, certainly glad to see David Bell's, uh, tweet from either earlier this morning or, uh, maybe late yesterday saying he's all good and, and feels like he let down the Purdue team, which is ridiculous because, no. um, without him, they're trash. They, yeah. I think that, um, <laughs> they definitely had no. account for him in the game plan. He was the only bright spot for Purdue on Saturday. And, and I thought Notre Dame did a good job of taking, of taking him out of the game. Mostly. I mean, this, it wasn't like bell before that was lighting the game on fire. I mean, he had seven catches for 64 yards. You know, he had one of the long ones. It's 32. But talking about a guy who going into the game, people were saying might be one of the, you know, might be the best player in the league. You know, he's a, he's a fucking great. He's a great player. Notre Dame kind of took him out. Yeah. And I don't mean that in the Kyle Hamilton sense of, of taking him out. I just mean that that the game plan for Bell worked pretty well. Like they could not, they couldn't do anything with him. I mean, what's, you know, little, little, little bits here and there. He had one play that was long, but I mean, so, I mean, again, if you want to take some numbers out, you know, he had six catches for, uh, 32 yards. Not bad. Just to circle back to the Kyle thing and that hit with, uh, David Bell. Um, what I think impressed me about that was, a lot of times when guys get into situations like that, where there's a, you know, they're, they're involved in a play where a guy might be seriously injured. You can see that it affects their play. Um, I didn't see that at all from Kyle. In fact, this interception came (laughs) on that very same drive. Um, And I think that that kind of speaks to Kyle Hamilton's kind of mental toughness to be able to compartmentalize those sort of things and to keep playing the game. Because, I mean, he made the defensive play of the game and once again proving that he's the best safety in America um, with another interception bringing his total up to three. Um, and where does that uh, where does that put and, him? And a, and a fourth stolen from him last week. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely stolen from him. And it was funny hearing him and all the guys on uh, inside the garage all be like, yeah, it was, it was, it was stolen. So just, just so you know, Jude, right now Kyle Hamilton has three picks. And the field has two. With DJ pulling one in against Purdue. DJ Brown pulling it out for us. Yeah. So uh, um, I'm I'm keeping a tally going with Ashton because she's uh, she's with me in the on the field designation. Um, so am we, I. Are, we are <laughs> we are um, we're very happy on behalf of uh, our fandom that uh, Kyle is leading this prop bet. Of course. Um, yeah. You know we. I I famously gone out on a limb and say it's an idiot. Only idiots vote uh, vote for Kyle Hamilton versus the field. And so I think I remember hearing that. Uh, I'm feeling a little that was that merciless. Through, I, I'm feeling a little sheepish through the quarter of the season, but you know we got the three quarters of the season left, and uh, um, I'm hoping for good things out of my out of DJ Brown and, uh, and the prodigy Cam Hart. Maybe uh, if he could, you know, former wide receiver, if he can keep his hands on a freaking football, that'd be sweet. And uh, yeah. And, you know, Kyle Hamilton, all credit to him, man. He seems to be always in the right place at the right time. Um, I think he credited J.D. Bertram with getting his hand 
uh, on that ball that that he intercepted in the end zone of the fourth quarter. But uh, man, I, it's just it's an amazing feat of athleticism two weeks in a row to watch Cal Hamilton um, have the presence of mind when the ball is all of a sudden in his hands to uh, not only secure it, but also have the good sense of where he is, um, you know, in terms of falling down versus or, you know, going out of the back of the end zone in, the, in this case. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad Speaking you brought up uh, Brendan, Brendan's Bertrand. boy, J.D. Yeah. Bertrand. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's Brendan's boy right now. Uh, third game in a row, he's had 10-plus tackles. Uh, he had 12 Saturday against Purdue. Um, one of them was tackled for loss. He had a quarterback hurry. Uh, for, for as much as we were, like, you know, biting our fingernails about being down three tackles on the offensive line, you know, we're down some linebackers in the linebacker core. And J.D. Bertrand, who was – Admittedly, he was a bright spot in fall camp, right? This is a guy that that people t- said, hey, he just stood out on the field. He stood out. He stood out. But, you know, he wasn't marked as the starter at will. Well, here he is. And just another solid, solid game from uh, from Brennan's boy. I uh, I'm continuously impressed that Notre Dame just happens to to find these linebackers and. They just seemingly they just I don't know what happens, but uh, these hard hitting linebackers just seemingly ascend uh, when it is their time to step in. It is the it's the damnedest thing. Um, I mean, he's not exactly unheralded. He, he's not going to get the 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 Jeremiah Wusukormo three star earned five star treatment because he why, was. A, why not? I mean, let, well, he well, he was a low end four star. He was a point yeah, eight nine. But he was also a gray shirt candidate. Both him and Maris Lewifau, yeah, like both uh, uh, irony. Both him and Maris Lewifau were guys that were, you know, in that class that there still really wasn't a scholarship for them, and that didn't matter to either. They were coming to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is going to find them away one way or another. But just the fact that there was even a little bit of apprehension as far as you know, or struggle trying to find a scholarship for them should say. I mean, yeah. I mean, that that's that's on that level of 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 a woo in a in in a sense, because look what he's fucking doing. Oh yeah, no, I'm that. Well, that's what I'm saying is, I, it's it's really nice to see these linebackers just seemingly right. transcend. It's just like un mildly unheralded, and then just boom. So what's going on with Drew White, guys? Um. Jude, have you been impressed at all with with White on the field? Like, I, I'm still trying. I, Greg would be a better answer, be a better one to answer this one as, well, as far as like scheme goes. But I mean, he's he's straight. You know, he's I, I don't know what the snap count is between White and Bauer was on Saturday. But it's it's not that like he's playing poorly. It's just like he's not involved as much as what we were used to last season. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, they haven't used him really to get after the quarterback. Um, I think he's got one total pressure in the entire season. Um, missed a couple of tackles in the last game, although Bertrand did two. Uh, it just really weirdly quiet um, in terms of, you know, performance. So... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like concerned, concerned. I'm just, no, I, I, I don't think I am either. It's just, it's, it's just different than what we've been used to. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Yep. Do you think it's because we're getting more 
more Bo Bauer than we have in previous years. Because I honestly think that one of the reasons why Drew White's kind of been less of a factor is because instead of him having 10 tackles, Drew White gets five tackles and Bo Bauer picks up the other five. I mean, Bo Bauer's getting right. more snaps this season than he did last year, and they're splitting snaps. So I think that's probably the the big reason why we see less of a ROI for so, uh, Drew White is just because there's more Bauer. So then it's safe to say Drew White was is just a – He's a steady performer. He was never like a he like super like a a start because I mean, he was putting up star type of numbers at linebacker, but he's not he's more of just a a steady guy. Which is it's not a bad thing to be. I mean, being a no. steady linebacker, you can make a good living at that. So I mean, the, you know, but I'm looking at you know other like it just seems like there's a shift going on where I think we were used to last you know with Clark Lee. These defense were not necessarily that things funneled towards the mic, but it seemed like the mic was there to clean it up where now we're seeing the will and the Rover more involved than uh, in a totality than we saw the last uh, few seasons. Cause I mean, Honestly, Isaiah Fryer had another eight tackles on. Well, yeah, we've shit. We knew that since we watched uh, Tao get, uh, yeah, uh, on draft day. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't realize it in 2012 <laughs> that the mic was uh mic was starting to go out and uh got news for you uh and then you know Wusu Cormo they can't even figure out NFL draft couldn't even figure out if he was a safety or a linebacker yeah it's a it's a dying the middle linebacker is a dying position because I mean if you're playing um five five in your secondary right five defensive right. backs you know, are you leaving a middle linebacker there? Or are you going to play, um, you know, your your will and your, you know. So overall, it feels like, I mean, it feels like Marcus Freeman and the defense are doing a a lot a lot of rotation. Like, there's a lot of players playing football uh, <laughs> on Saturdays, and not outside of the rotation like White and Bauer have, but like defensive line. I think like nine different players played on the defensive line on Saturday. Shout out to Nana Osafamensa, by the way. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, dude, he saved a touchdown. Yeah. He absolutely saved a touchdown. I, I don't make much noise in the press box. And now that there's a fucking camera on me 24 uh, seven, which has to be planned, those bastards. Uh, uh, I was going to say, you I, should yeah, explain I, that to our listeners about why there's a camera on you 24 seven. Cause I don't think it's obvious. <laughs> well, so the previous years I have been on the front row, which is just you're done. The sun just absolutely annihilates you. And they were supposed to have changed changed it, put me in the middle row uh, two years ago. I had said something like, "Oh yeah, we'll put you back there," and then they didn't. And then I wasn't going to make a fuss or say, you know, just fuck it, you know. So I, I made sure I had said, like, hey, uh, let's make sure this year, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, as long as we got room. Like, yeah, I know you got room, so just do it. So they did. But I'm all the way down at the one end, which is perfectly fine. It's a great spot. I'm, like, right next to the fucking bathroom. It's a couple, you know, just a, a quick hop, step and a jump away from the bathroom. Snacks and food are right there. It's a good spot. But I'm also right next to the radio booth. And now they're streaming uh, video for each i guess now for each game uh so that camera that's that's 
put on uh, the radio guys, I'm I'm right there, just right there <laughs> in in that stream the entire time. So I didn't know that and, and until a, until after the game posted? last week. Yeah, oh, it's on Notre Dame's posted? it's on Notre Dame's official YouTube account. Is it really the whole game? Yeah, really. Clips. Oh no, no you can the see the whole game. game. The whole oh, game wow. and post game and post game. So if somebody were looking to make a supercut of you making gestures or whatever. oh, you mean Greg? You mean Greg? So you didn't read. So you didn't read my story about the about the funny day I had last week. I, post, I posted it in there because no, I was I like, mi- I missed then, it. I'm so sorry. And then I, you know, then I saw this shit, and then there's Brendan and I on the stream the whole time, and then I made sure to like look as soon as I sat down on Saturday, and sure enough, there's that. There's the camera. I didn't had didn't have any clue until after the game against Toledo that it was even there. So I'm like, God, son of a bitch. So, you know. And then when you got, you know, the the head honcho, uh, Aaron Horvath coming over and and talking about your drunk tweets from the night before. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was talking shit about my green shoe, shoes while my wife and I were out, uh, out about in Fort Wayne. That was pretty funny. So, by the way, Ryan, speaking of the radio crew, I already told Brennan and Jew, but I'm going to brag about it. Ryan Harris dug the uh, the green suede shoes. Thought those were dope. A lot of compliments on Saturday for the green suede shoes. Fresh. Nice. Fresh. Did you see Drew Brees' shoes? No. You know, I got like two texts from people about seeing Drew Brees. Like, number one, I don't care. But number two, no, they're on the other – they're on the completely other side of the stadium. So he like, had um, – Hand-painted shoes, like uh, I, they're regular pedestrian sneakers or whatever, but um, they were – the one of the shoes was all about like NBC, Purdue versus Notre Dame on NBC and stuff like that. But the other one was a cradle of quarterbacks. What was that? Yeah. Notre 14 um, Notre Dame? The, the other one was a cradle of quarterbacks with portraits of like Len Dawson, Bob Greasy. Ah. Um, maybe so Gary he leaned Jansen. into it. And Drew Brees, yeah. So somebody, you know what? You know what? Good, good for him. Good for him. You know, Brendan, what have we been saying for years now? Be the villain. Any chance you get, anytime you get a chance to to be a villain, lean into it. I mean, maybe that's why Joe Theismann was uh, was up right by us. Maybe that's why he was there to like counteract the uh, cradle of quarterback bullshit from uh, from Purdue. I don't know. By the way, they showed. That's interesting, though. I I didn't know that. Good for him. NBC that on Saturday showed clips from the 99 game probably about three or four times. They didn't even broach the topic of the Gatsby yeah. game. And so if you had uh, I, Gary Gatsby in your in your uh, prop bets, you did not win that one because the 2000, 2000 game or the 98 game was not mentioned, which was bullshit. And um, from what I can tell, the, to get, the student did body didn't chant Gary Gatsby's name like I had asked them to. Yeah, and they and they didn't um, and, and they managed to find time to get Gary Danielson to cut a promo in his CBS booth, yeah. talking for forty five seconds about nonsense, basically like trying to tease Drew Brees about you know Drew Brees stealing all of his records at Purdue or whatever, and we couldn't get a we couldn't get a single clip of uh, asking Drew Brees about the Gary Gatsby game. Come on, man, come on. I wish I would have known about this because I don't. I don't think I would have wrote anything about the game uh, after the game. I just I, <laughs> the this, quick recap that would have been Mike. my mission. <laughs> the quick recap that would have been Mike. My... 
<laughs> oh God, that's find ten seconds of Gary of Gary Godsey clips or him airmailing it to Tony Driver to seal that '98 game. I'm just oh, saying. I have so much regret for I mean, game. Billy Dickin got a shout out on the uh, the broadcast, and Gary Gossie didn't get one. That is that is heresy. Jesus, I didn't even know that the drum was there until I was about to go into the stadium, and then I saw where it was at. It's right right where I fucking walk, where I park at. So if I would have known that was there, I would have gone over and got got myself some selfies. I had an entire uh, bar fucking chant and fuck the drum Friday night. <laughs> I, there, I have so much uh, regret from from minor things. Uh, hey, I'll tell you something that's uh, that's kind of funny. I had met my uh, my sisters were were up there with my nephew and and his girlfriend and all that, so I made sure to to run over and, and holler at them for a quick minute. And while I'm talking to them, it must have been like I don't know, like four or five people had said you know said my name or one foot down or or some shit like that while we were talking, which you know we all kind of got a kick out of. Uh, but the funniest one was this dude who came up and knew exactly who I was and one foot down wearing a goddamn Purdue jersey and started saying shit about the drum. And I'm like, I was so took back. I didn't have anything to say, except I finally did utter something out of my throat, and that was, uh, fuck Purdue. On brand. Oh, I was so took back. I'm like, brand. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even say thank I, you for reading the site. You just said, eh, fuck Purdue. Fuck, fuck I, Purdue. That's exactly how it was, Jude. I did have that little, uh, fuck Purdue. And then as he's like walking away, kind of laughing, I was like, hey, you know, have a good game. So I, I felt like NBC treated that exactly the way that I would want them to treat it, which is that Mike Tirico seemed to have given it outsized importance by leading the broadcast with it, but then just fucking ripped on it for a good 10 seconds. Then he's like, okay, well now that that's out of the way, you know? And then they showed the, then they showed the, the uh, sad, was the sad drum at the end. Was it immediately after the game or right before the game was about to right end? Right before it was showing, over. Yeah. They were showing <laughs> the drum so being packed up. So <laughs> like if you're driving down, whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> driving down Angela. Night. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> you might see a sad drum. <laughs> it was it, he he definitely was like he thought the whole thing was overblown you could tell just by the way that he was being snarky about it and i was i was thankful for that because that drum got so stupid amount of attention and people were clutching their pearls over that and i it was love just it like i love it i just i love it i i felt the same exact way yeah fuck the drum listen yeah. college football is a gift from god and that is the reason why is shit like being petty about the drum and where it can come in at. Could Notre Dame have fuck yeah they could have. They said no. Fuck it, that's great. Good for Notre Dame. Thank God that they're not like they were twenty years ago when they would just bend over fucking backwards to get screwed in the ass by the opposing team. No, they grew a set. And now they're petty. And that's fantastic. Cause that's college football. It's nothing it but petty. Embraces the villainy. Just like exactly. we talked about all season long. <laughs> Brendan's been Everybody hates you anyways. Every Friday. <laughs> Nobody likes you. Everybody that, if they don't love you, they fucking hate you. That is Notre Dame. It's not like a bragging point. It's just, I'm just saying that is, that is life. They are not Michigan state. You know what I'm saying? So just lean into it. Lean fucking into it. And they, they're doing that. And I fucking love it. 
I mean, th- that couldn't have been a bad. I, I could have wrote eight stories about the awesomeness of the pettiness of, of the whole Trump decision. Uh, how many, thir- I, I how many produced 13 points do you think were, uh, can be accounted for their fired upness towards the drum though? <laughs> that was a real argument from fans. Like this was, this was going to be the thing that was going to lift Purdue uh, up that day, up that day. And uh, man, we're never going to live that one down. The curse of the drum. Yeah. It's like, yeah, never, never have any fun because, you know, you may, you may trip on the sidewalk. Whatever. Okay. Uh, um, a couple other things I want. So it was not a sellout. I believe Notre Dame Stadium fits 77, 622. I don't know what the, I can't remember the exact count, but it was like 74, 300 something. Yeah, that's, they were a couple of thousand short, if I recall. Yeah, they were, it was right around 3,000, like maybe like 3,300 or something like that. But it, which is a which was, small enough which was amount. Because Pete Sampson, I think, tweeted on, I think we put it up on our website that they were only there was only like 150 tickets that were available for sale or something like that, right? Yeah, didn't I re- makes, yeah retweeted it. Yeah, yeah, didn't he make a something that basically sounded like we're, we're going to be close to a sellout or a sellout, and then all of a sudden, yeah, three thousand short. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say this: my uh, my sisters and, and and all them they were coming up from Indianapolis, and they said tra- I mean they almost didn't make it. They said traffic was so fucking ridiculously terrible, and they had been on the road forever. So it was like my 80-90 juju from last week was on them. So maybe some people just said, fuck it. I mean, I can't imagine being one of those people, but I bet there's people out there just like that. Eat the ticket. And... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was like. The, well, I, if, even if they ate the ticket, though, I think Notre Dame bases it off of sales of tickets, not who goes through the turnstiles. Yeah, that's true. So, so. You're, yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. Um, but it's still, my point was that it still felt like a full house. It absolutely yeah, course, felt yeah, like a, yeah. a, a full house. 3000 isn't, isn't, uh, a huge difference. Not like last week when it was like 15,000. Um, so that was a, that was a nice environment. The stadium got loud at appropriate times. Um, I'm still, I still don't feel lit from the third down. I just, just fucking play crazy train. No, <laughs> it's that's just, where we're at now. Doesn't. Just play crazy straight. Like, like the Van Gorder turned down for what had would have you fired up more than what they're doing. I don't, uh, I don't like the uh, the Hell's Bells intro. Not that I have anything against ACDC or Hell's Bells. It just feels like really forced and not. This is the only time you're going to hear me say say this phrase. It's not very Notre Dame like. Like I. I really don't see the problem with what they did before with the whole Lord's prayer thing and coming out and the fan base liked it. Now they're playing hell's bells and it's, and it runs into the band playing the victory march. They run out. Yeah. Which Notre Dame is just one of those schools where you don't, when they run it out of the tunnel, you're not having music playing the band's playing that. it, It was worse against Toledo than it was against Purdue. Like, but it was, it's still, and then, you know, as soon as the band's done, then it cuts right back into hell's, but I just don't see the point in it. Like whoever made the decision, just it's, it's not too late to turn back. (laughs) Change your mind. Um, so that was pretty awful. Um, man, the is a hot day. Can you tell me about the, 
but the replacement for Mike Collins, like, how's he doing? He's fine. Is he like, making it sound like it's a baseball game, though? I, mean, I think it was kind of weird when he did that seventh inning stretch in the third quarter. <laughs> so I say it was fine, but okay. So here's the thing. I didn't even really notice that it wasn't Mike Collins last week or against Purdue. Like it just, it didn't like, it didn't click to me that this was a, that big of a difference, but, but this is a big one. Uh, I was down on the field as of the fourth quarter and swear to God, he said, Kieran Williams instead of Kyron. And, uh, uh, Phil Hawk was standing next to me and I, I looked at him. I said, uh, did he really say Kieran? He, <laughs> he just got, he had this confused look on his face. He's like, I really think he did. That's a big fuck up. That's a huge fuck up. Like, we're all pretty sure it's pronounced Kyron, right? Because that's his fucking name, Kyron. And he said Kieran. And maybe that doesn't matter to anybody but me, but that stuck out to me. So, I mean, you have extensive lists of how to pronounce people's names, and that's for yeah, people you don't yeah, know about. Yeah, this sorry. is the starting running back yeah, in Star. Yeah. But other than that, does, yeah, does he still do my comments? And here come the Irish. Like, do they do that at all? Because Trico does it on the broadcast. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. No. No, he does. Uh, again, Hell's Bells. It's, oh, it's right. the entry. I'm telling you, the beginning of the game now, the the whole entrance and run on the field feels like a giant clusterfuck. It feels like. It, so it sounds like somebody was like, oh, now that Mike's not here, we won't be stepping on his toes, so we should start a new tradition. And they're now trying to work out the kinks because they're doing it in real Look, time. We know it's not like right. We know how Notre Dame works. Yeah. It only takes three games to make a tradition. So if we don't stop this <laughs> shit, before fucking Cincinnati. I mean, we've been at, we've been at crazy train for ten years now. Yeah, just look. I have no like strong feelings about a lot of that. The stuff. tenth anniversary of Crazy Train. Yeah, USC game. I think was the first. In, yeah. Instance of Crazy I was Train. There. I was there. Wes and I were at that game together. Uh, oh. Mesmerized. Do you think they'll make a? Do you think they'll make a big deal out of it? They'll fly Ozzy Osbourne in for the USC game. <laughs> Pre-taped. What must this person say? Sharon. The Irish. Tenth anniversary of my song playing stadium. Sharon. Yeah, I say you forgot like four Sharons in that sentence. So I don't know. It was a. Clusterfuck, I thought that last week and, and hoped it would be get better. It really didn't as far as that went. Uh, but the, like I said, the crowd was into it. Bam was lit. I mean, there was, people were there and ready to enjoy themselves uh, and cheer the Irish on. So that's that's fantastic. I, again, I appreciate the uh, press box having the open windows right now. That's been a nice, really nice uh, change of pace. Um, it, it, I'll tell you what. The attendance difference was definitely felt uh, in the tailgating lots. Like, unbelievably huge difference. Like, yeah, it's Toledo and all that, but it's also the home opener. Like, even when it's been a dank home opener, it's still been, you know, a pretty lively tailgating crowd. And we just got through COVID. And, you know, there's enough people out there. I, I guess I don't want to get into that whole thing, but 
I was just I was shocked at the level of like laid backness against Alito tailgating lots. And then this week's was uh, a lot. There's a lot more. There's a lot more motherfuckers walking around. And it was hot, man. Oof, it was hot. Very hot. My brother-in-law texted me about five minutes uh, after he had sat down. Uh, and he he is a Michigan fan. Uh, so he was not thrilled to be there anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I got nothing but cackles uh, when he texted me and said, I'm fucking hot. This is bullshit. I'm like, hey, you married her. Good, good luck to you, sir. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't know. I thought the game day atmosphere was pretty was pretty dope. I mean, it just it felt good. It felt good to have that packed house. Toledo did not have that feel. Um, so it, it gives me hope that Cincinnati, because I, I was worried for the rest of the season. To be honest with you, uh, even with it just being Toledo. So knowing that Cincinnati coming up, SC, North Carolina. It, you know, with, and with those last two being night games, I think I think it's going to be a a great time. Because I'll tell you what, if you beat a top twenty team at night and your crowd is dressed properly, you're the best mm-hmm. team in the country. That's mm-hmm. that's right? what I've heard. That's right? what I that's what I've been told. You're that's the coach of the seen. year candidate because you because you beat uh, who the fourth best team in the SEC. Okay, yeah. Maybe even the fifth fifth best team. I can make arguments for the fourth or fifth best team. Because you didn't look like team. you didn't look completely inept against Wisconsin in week one either. Like you just barely pulled that one out of your ass. Just, yeah, I'm just I, checking. Making sure we're also living in the same reality. But you know, that's what you know, and that's what. <sighs> That's what kills me about these goddamn neutral. I can't, I can't, I can't do it on this podcast. This is a this is a Purdue review, not a Wisconsin preview, which will be, I guarantee you, an hour and twenty five minutes of me going ape shit about neutral site games. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Trico asked, Trico said, "What do you think they're going to play during between the third and fourth quarter? Jump around or the eighteen twelve overture?" I'm like. Um, why would they play jump around? I don't, I don't understand. Was that even a question? It's to my knowledge, anytime there is a neutral site game where one team is considered the host, they run the whole fucking shit, the whole kick. Yeah. It is Although, all on that. I would love to hear some sort of like DJ Cumberbund type, uh, mashup of the 1812 overture and jump around. I mean, assuming somebody could make that happen, uh, I'd listen to it, see what it was like. See if it wasn't terrible. And just confuse the shit out of everybody. I'm okay with that. But no, yeah, jump around, right? I don't know. Saturday is going to be, I mean, that's a black mass. That is a, just a, that is a satanic ritual that's about to go down. You have Wisconsin and Notre Dame choosing not to play at Camp Randall or Notre Dame Stadium. And not only that, but you have both ESPN College Game Day and Fox there as their big new. It is a black mass. So be prepared for the end of the fucking world. Just saying. It's Do you fucking have any unholy. about what the, I mean, what the breakdown of fans is going to be? Uh, I mean, <laughs> my, I mean, I guess my guess is that 
the ticket allotments for both games, considering the goofiness of this shit, where Notre Dame's home game was in Green Bay and and Wisconsin's was home game was in Chicago. My guess is that the ticket allotments were 50 50 for no, both I games. Think, I don't I don't think that would I, I don't. I mean, I think it works out to be 50-50, but I think the home team gets more tickets than the away team in both circumstances. I think that there was less – there. You saw tickets. a contract, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working off of memory here. I didn't look it up. But. So why are you asking me? You fucking you – got that. <laughs> but that's not the question I'm asking, right? Which is like I'm not asking how many tickets are available. I'm asking oh, you're who's going to make the more. effort. Oh. Who's going to make the effort, right? Because there's a Chicago – Wisconsin. Got a ton of Notre Dame I don't know. It, I don't know, man. Wisconsin fans, they feel low right now. Like that Penn State game hurt them, and East and beating up on Eastern Michigan did not heal the wounds. So, and we know how I, that works. That's a, that's an unmotivated. If you're unmotivated as a fan base, then you're unmotivated to pay the extra coin, make the extra trip. Yeah, I mean, it's I still know people a, from from my area that are going out to Chicago for that game. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I. I have friends that are Republicans, but that doesn't mean that I am one. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying. It, se- it seems like the chatter has been from people that are there's, there's an excitement from from Notre Dame fans about this game, um, but I don't get to hear the the Wisconsin side of things. So I, I was maybe my oh. maybe Pat Rick's Q and A uh, will give me the insight that I'm looking for, which is like how well, like I'll, t- I'll tell you what. About what, this game. what you need to do is you need to tweet. Dr- he uh, he uses the. Uh, the OFT Twitter account to retweet out like, Hey, if you got any questions and he takes the fan quest. So tweet at him, go, go tweet that an- or uh, find that tweet and, and give a reply and he'll ask him. I mean, I bet, I bet a lot of their fans are pretty excited, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't accurately give you any kind of depiction upon what that crowd's going to look like. Like who's going to eat up, who's going to eat up the, the extra tickets up in the air. Yeah. Have we have we got have we seen a betting line for this game yet? Tell you what, if it was Georgia, I'd have no doubt <laughs> that stadium would be completely red in Chicago. God, yeah. So I think the line opened up at uh, was it six Wisconsin and a half? three? Nope, it's Wisconsin three. Oh, it looked bigger. Oh, it's hours ago. I'm looking at five and a half. Yeah, uh, the line, um, well, at least through um, DraftKings, it opened up at three. DraftKings doesn't have the uh, the updated bet in one. Well, that's just what I it opened. It looks like it. I'm not a I'm not a gambling monster, but I had seen uh, I think Farmer tweeting about it, who is a person that would know. Yeah, um, he's definitely somebody you want to listen to on this. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to say it's like around five and a half six points. Or like it, op- or like it, it got to six and it got better down to five or five and a half. Either way, Notre Dame's going to walk into this game as the underdog, which is great. Which is a perfect time to bet. If you, I, I never tell anybody to bet on Notre Dame ever. This would be the game I would. If they're an underdog like this in Chicago. Yeah, let's do it, man. That's a, that's. I mean, just for the fun of it, that's a that's an easy like fifty dollar bet. You know what I mean? They're going to give you points? Shit. <laughs> Take it. Yeah, I mean, that's... Look, it's going to be a 13-10 game, so they're giving you five points, you're winning. You know, even if you... I mean, 
no matter who wins. So we'll get into the Wisconsin preview. Uh, I think Wednesday night, love it for you guys on Thursday. Uh, so let's wrap this up. Uh, yeah, we played Purdue. Cool. Uh, Jude, you got, any, you got any closing thoughts? I do not have any closing thoughts. Treat each other well. Um, and we will we'll talk later in this week. Fantastic. Brendan, you got anything to go out on? Uh, yeah, I don't think Notre Dame deserved to have jumped back into the top 10, but it would have been real great to see some consistency from AP voters for not dropping Oklahoma for struggle bussing against Nebraska for Clemson <laughs> putting on one of the worst offensive displays that I've seen this season. Uh, Clemson's offense is hot trash. Um, and you didn't see them taking a, a huge dip like they, they punished Notre Dame. Um, Ohio State, don't let the box score fool you. Uh, that game against Tulsa was a dogfight until the fourth quarter. Um, I just wish that there was some consistency when these voters decide to just plummet Notre Dame in the polls, which they probably deserve to plummet. But can we get some reciprocation for when other programs struggle as well? Like Clemson has a loss. They shouldn't be a top 10 team with the way that their offense is played. Clemson has Iowa's, looked abjectly worse than Notre Dame. Iowa's the number one team in the country. Cer- certainly didn't help our cause that Toledo lost. <laughs> no. And Florida State no. still hasn't. And Florida, Florida State, State still hasn't won. <laughs> no. I, I, I actually, I don't think that has, I, I, it, it doesn't help us, but I don't think it would have had any help for us until like, Two more weeks. No, yeah. Remember, we, State we, we wouldn't need it anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Florida State beating, beating Wake Forest wouldn't have done anything for us. But uh, Toledo losing it to get with Colorado State, that was, that's bad. That's a bad loss. That's a bad loss. Especially the the manner in which they lost it. Just no offense because they yep. have a terrible offense. Yeah. So so, so basically we're going to have a repeat of 2019 but with no losses. Like the most villain thing to do is to keep winning these close games the whole season and looking like shit doing it, and be twelve and zero with like a point like differential of like of like forty fifth in the S and P S and P plus. Yeah, SP plus. have a point differential of like forty five points. <laughs> and oh, you're trying to tap into that two thousand two Ohio State magic, aren't you? Or that two thousand what what year is Auburn ten two thousand ten Auburn right? Yeah, yeah. I wish we had Cam Newton, um, <laughs> and I wish we had Maurice Claret too. Uh, don't at me. That's the transfer quarterback. Don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> don't, don't don't talk shit about Maurice Claret. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, it, I was not surprised at all that Notre Dame did not move one iota. No, because I thought last after last week when I saw the rankings, I thought exactly what I just said. This is good. This is just 2019. Like this is there. Notre Dame had very little respect going into the season, even with their top 10 ranking. Like we saw the rankings like they just it just because other people had no clue where to put teams. So like the points that get accumulated are, are much more. They're spread out a lot more. So the fact that they're dropping back, it just, there's yeah, which is. It is what it is. Brennan's right. 
they probably deserve to drop in the rankings. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> and, and I know a lot of Notre Dame fans don't pay attention to college football outside of Notre Dame. And they're probably like, oh, hell, they should be, you know, 20th. But because they enjoy have, a you any, have you watched anyone else play football this season? Because it has yeah. been, it hasn't been good. Like, outside of outside of Ole Miss, Iowa, and uh, that's Alabama. I guess they kind of struggled against Florida, yeah. but Florida's pretty good. But that was a but, little, uh, yeah. But that's. Like, you know, you can't knock Bama for winning close on the road no, against the 11 team in the country. And you know, and they should not knock. And you know, and I don't think they did. They didn't drop Florida because how do you drop the 11 team for having a close loss against the number one team? That just doesn't make any sense. That's fair. I think uh, Sparty's look pretty good. I've watched a lot of Sparty football. They've uh, they very good. The fucking Sparty and and the Hawkeyes. Are two of the better looking teams in the country, right? Watch now. them meet in Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, Sparty is in the East, aren't they? Yeah, because they played in that famed, I don't know. Uh, they did. Where, where yeah, Sparty had like the 37, 37 play drive to win it. The, the, you know, this is the year. The Big Ten is completely up for grabs. Oh, yeah. Completely. Ohio, Ohio State, State is gettable. Is- they are gettable because their defense is so trash. Michigan is not what anyone really think. They're not what Nicole Arbach is thinking. No, they're, they're just, a one-dimensional they team. They just are. Look, go look at Kay McNamara, who used to be a Notre Dame uh, commit, by the way. Go look at his stat line; it's atrocious. Uh, he's going to have a hard time against Penn State. Uh, did they catch Wisconsin this year? Uh, That's true. They catch from the from the west. If they catch Wisconsin or Iowa, they used to catch Wisconsin on the rag, but I think they might have flipped over to getting uh, Nebraska on. Oh uh, uh, no, they do okay. get they get Wisconsin the week after us. Okay, well that's that's probably the best spot for them to get them. To be honest with you, but they still got to play Sparty. They still got to play uh, Penn State. They still got to play Ohio State. Michigan's Indiana's on there. That they're kind of gamey. Yeah, it's not going to be the season that, that Nicole Arbach thinks. No. It's just not. It, not as I mean, she can will it as much as she wants. Yeah, it's a, that's not happening. Uh, but that's fine though. I mean, whatever. It's the beginning of the season. Everyone's happy. But I got. But the Big Ten does look. Uh, I don't want to say legit, but it looks like a fun conference to pay attention to this year, uh, because Ohio State is so gettable. So I mean, Michigan. Michigan could lose three more. This is what's probably going to happen. Michigan's going to lose three games in conference, and then they're going to play Ohio State, and they're finally going to get that fucking win, and it's going to be the only win they have against Ohio State for the next decade, and, but it's <laughs> going to keep Jim Harbaugh employed for the next four or five years. Oh, man, they build him a statue at this point. <laughs> it's like it, it was like Mike Bone saw this shit coming. Uh He's like, I'm not going to play the Michigan Harbaugh route. Uh, Clay, you got to go. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's this is a lot like 2000, 2007. This has a very 2007 feel uh, to the season. Thankfully, Notre Dame does not have that. Like, we already we got our three wins. So, 
She's so, going well, up for you, can't, you can't hurt us. <laughs> so, so we've already overcome the 2007 uh, return. No, jinx. no, not until we get that fourth win. You gotta cannot get that fourth win. Uh, it got to beat uh, Navy. Just find a way to beat Navy. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine if Notre Dame loses every game up until the Navy game? Stop, please. This is, this is really... <laughs> if I wanted, if I wanted nightmares, I would take Monalu cast. Come on, man. Look, you can't you can't pick up the mantle as the villain without making as much chaos as possible. Misdirection is a thing. So, happy dreams. I hope you're all dreaming of 2007. I br- I I brought up that. Se- Jimmy Clausen, 2007, Evan Sharpley, Demetrius Jones. All these names have been dropped tonight. You know, we talked about we talked about it being a black bass on Saturday. It's fucking wild. Welcome to college football. It's fantastic. So that's it for us. Uh, we will come back with you again, like I said, on Thursday. Uh, pay attention over at One Foot Down. Head over there and read all our, our good shit and read all our bad shit, too, because uh, I appreciate you reading my bad shit. Uh, go Irish.